welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode, and leave a five-star review while you're there. As you know, there is an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going. Buy Me A Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is, you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep Block Talk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC. And visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Welcome to Dragula Titans, Whose Line Is It Anyway, where the points don't matter and the rules are made up. The Titans got their zombie prom on and the headmistresses decided once again, eliminating Nobora was not going to happen solely on their hands. It's time to talk all things Dragula Titans and joining me is the zombie prom queen OG Fag. How are you? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very excited to have you on here. Um, I I love hearing new voices on the podcast, especially talking about silly shows like this. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I mean, I was so excited that I get to join you for this one in particular. Basic Bitch is probably one of my absolute favorite episodes that they've ever done when it originally mm-hmm, aired. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I found out that it was going to be this one, I was ready to go. Yeah. Uh, would you describe yourself as a basic bitch, though? You know, I think sometimes I am. I mean, even as we speak, I do have Starbucks sitting right next to me. So mm-hmm. I think in all of us, there are those tendencies to sometimes oh, be a little bit of a basic bitch, but I'm not overly so. Absolutely. All right. As always, I must leave it a little disclaimer. This is an entertainment podcast. We are discussing reality TV show characters presented through a reality television show production. We are shown with the editing of a television show wants to see. We react to what is presented. Yes, these are real people that have been given an opportunity to go on television to share their craft, but they also put themselves in a position to discuss what is said on the podcast. If you're entertainment, discuss reality TV show. All right. That's speed. <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, if real, like I've said on the podcast before, if you slow it down, it's, it's unintelligible. It's still un, 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 unintelligible at this speed also. Um, <laughs> yeah. Someone knows what I'm saying. Everyone knows what's out there. Um, Dragula Titans. We're five episodes in. Yeah, officially halfway, right? That's what they yeah. were saying. How are you feeling about it? You know, I think it's been a little bit up and down, to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. I think I saw actually when I was looking online yesterday, I saw a tweet from Meatball Mm -hmm. and basically saying that the show this season, it's not that it's bad. It's just that the way that they're putting it together, it's like a lot of drama in the room and just spending a lot of time on each episode dedicated to that. Victoria Elizabeth Black sitting in the corner being like a haunted ghost basically and just on her own doing her thing um and then like five minutes of drag slapped onto the end and I feel like that's a very accurate way of summarizing it it's just the focus I feel like hasn't necessarily always been enough on the artistry which I also feel like is something that made Dragula stand out especially early on was the emphasis on the crafting, the creating, all of those elements. So yeah, I don't know, a little up and down for me, I would say. I I feel like for me at this point where I'm starting to get lost is we are putting this massive emphasis on this love triangle and all the drama. If it had pertained to how the 
episode one voting system would have worked. I'm here for it. I'll take it every single week because then, oh my God, you have an automatic alliance. They're doing things in the voting and people are getting eliminated because of it. I'm here for that. Not this way. Because this just seems like we need something to fill our hour-long episode. We don't know what to do because everyone's so nice and kind. So here's something made up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would completely agree with that too. I think when I was talking to my friends, everyone was super excited from the first episode with the voting system. Everyone was really into that. It was a nice twist for a season that's all about returning people Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so then when they abandoned it and the first person didn't even go home, it also just felt like a weird choice, which immediately, I think, changed the vibe of the season too. Absolutely. And then you have this episode where it's the same person involved in a new twist. I'm like, I I think we're going to start seeing through you, Boulez. We know what you're doing. You do not want to send a boar home on your hands. Mm -hmm. You need someone else to decide that for you. Yeah. And that's what's upsetting is because it's like the integrity just drops away right and it's like it's their show and they always make that comment of right like I mean we're not here to judge your drag because it's subjective all of that um and so I mean I don't necessarily understand why they've been so resistant to eliminating Abora. you know it's like if Abora isn't going to really do the challenges then go ahead and you know send Abora out but I yeah I I think it's funny that you said that and I agree with you that it seems like they for whatever reason on their own didn't want to be the ones that did it exactly well let's dive through and, and try to get to why we got to where we are in this episode yeah absolutely We have some cheesy music and cheesy decorations pervading the boudoir as the monsters enter as it's a teaser for the challenge. Uh, So how are they feeling? They are at the mid part of the season. So shit's about to get real. And the monsters are still gagged that Victoria was in the bottom. Now, Asher will say that she did work her ass off and tried very hard. And Melissa is going to be like going back to the group stuff. Don't you think that the reason why we were in the bottom was because of you, Astrid? And Astrid is like, what? And she's like, yeah, you were jumping on the director. And Ash is like, that's not what was happening. And she's going to say that she was doing this to clarify a situation during a really hot, crazy, stressful day. I'm still team Astrid on this. I think that Astrid's personality is very unique. And so I think that there's an element of that that's at play. And I sometimes feel as though that doesn't fully come into the conversation. No. You know, if that makes sense. So I do feel like, in a way, more often than not, I am willing to give Astrid the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. I feel like Astrid doesn't always realize how, you know, they're coming across and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not totally against what was being said uh, in terms of feeling as though Astrid was trying to explain what was happening Um, and all of that. I mean, I am always here for Melissa though. Melissa is just my queen. So, you know, you always know that you can count on her to stir up some drama, to bring things up and, you know, not afraid to just tell it like it is. So I also appreciate that about her in this instance too. I think Astrid is very much an excitable person. Um, They like to be present and, and be a part of something and um, you may think they're coming at you, but no, Astrid is just trying to like clarify and make the situation good for everybody. And I think it gets misconstrued if you're not used to that kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would yeah. agree with that assessment too. You know, I think 
one of the probably challenging things about the show in a lot of ways is that it's just this conglomerate of personalities that are all coming together. And yes, some of them have experience being in the same cast together previously and all of that, but when it's a new mix of people and when they've been together for a little bit now, since it's about halfway through the season, I'm sure that some of those quirks of personalities and ways that comments or actions might get interpreted are starting to wear on each other a little bit. And I think that's probably coming through in some of the dynamics too. Absolutely. Now in conventional Coco, we'll say that personalities like Astrid's are a tough pill to swallow, but she says there's a thing called professionalism and only her team and Melissa had any. And I'm like, let's not throw that word around when you've got Mm -hmm. a love triangle that won't stop hogging up the air in the room, but much more on that bullshittery later. Melissa will say that it it was hot, but people were crying like fucking bitches and then plays the woe is me card as she did this on season one when they filmed in a trailer with no AC. Eva will defend herself that she was in fact dying, but she pushed through and kept her head in the game. Astrid will jump in and say, so did they. And she finds that Melissa placing blame on her is misplaced as it wasn't them not doing well together, but the other team doing better than them. That's a positive way to spin something. Yeah, exactly. And what I would say too is that in terms of just that whole sequence and scene, um, I mean, definitely, I feel like I, you know, again, I love Melissa so much. So I always feel like I'm prone to almost jump to her defense Mm. a little bit and see her perspective a little bit more. And I was thinking back as I was watching the episode, I will never forget when they were all in that little trailer and trying, you know, I can only (laughs) imagine what that must have been like to be in the middle of the desert, everyone crammed in, the makeup everywhere. You know, I can still hear Foxy saying, I was very Mary, not Poppins and, you know, all of that and (laughs) talking about the mud wrestling from the week before so I'm part of me was kind of like yeah maybe Melissa is right in this a little bit more you know I I think those conditions may have been a little bit trickier potentially Um, and then also I feel like when Eva was having her little moment and that breakdown there I feel like that's probably some residual energy from the D&D challenge on her original season when you know Madeline is there having her meltdown so I think maybe there was a little bit of that in the air you know so maybe that was playing a role some previous dwindling energies in the spaces and all of that. Now Coco will jump in and say that the word got around the site that Astrid and Victoria were a problem. I mean, let's discuss professionalism because talking shit like that is not professional. So maybe throw some words at the crew as well. They weren't being professional. Just saying, just saying. Yeah. Not like this plot line. But Astra feels like she's being thrown under the bus when she believes that everyone was having a hard time and she just tried to step up and express how they were feeling. Melissa thinks that Astrid is a brat and not a leaner leader. And Astrid says she tries to step up for the team and whoever comes back, she would like their perspective. All right. So. Yeah. You know, we did not get to see any of the supposed lack of unprofessionalism. So maybe the show needs to like show us the tape so we can decide but Mm -hmm. i know the belays don't like us to form our own opinion (laughs) yeah i think there were definitely a couple of those pieces that i would have liked to have seen more of i think for me you know i agree with you i think in terms of the just overall concept of professionalism who is being professional who is not it gets so tricky when you start throwing around that just people are unprofessional you know because i think it's just such a harsh judgment to make and it just says a lot about someone's character that maybe just a particular moment in time based on how they were feeling or coping with different elements and just dealing with a situation that maybe they're not they've never really been in before and 
with uh, components like acting and needing to memorize and a lot of pressure around that, it doesn't feel fair to make those sort of blanket states uh, assessments right. of others. Um, and I would also say one of the interesting pieces on that same line of what we get to see and what we don't and around that same part, um, you know, I think Coco brings up the fact that she started on the bottom and she's climbing her way up a little bit. And so in terms of what we don't get to see, she mentions all of those comments around feeling that she was being sabotaged because there's a script that goes missing and oh, for the floor show, parts of her armor went missing. And I'm like, where was that? You know, I right. would love to see that. I would love for us to have a more sense of what was going on. But, you know, again, heaven forbid that they spend a little bit less time on the love triangle and give some other things that would be interesting to see more exactly. of the airtime. Now the conversation will turn to how gaggy it would be if Erica walked through the doors. And Eva says that Victoria is her friend, but the com competitor in her would be cool with her gone. As Boris says, this was the only time that Boulez could get rid of her, so there's that. Mm -hmm. Coco will ponder if they're just getting a repeat of Erica's season where she says she wants to be there, but it's the same old song and dance. And Bora will come to her defense and say that Erica has refined her vision as the Erica she sees now is different from the one on season two. So are we assuming that there was like a nice men's off screen that we just never got to see when we probably should have seen it on screen? Yeah, I had the same reaction that you did. And I think there clearly must have been because it's another one of those pieces of the series as a whole in terms of stringing it together, where it feels like we missed a critical part here. Yeah. Like Erica and Abora are so back and forth, going back to the whole, you know, wig sabotage thing in the witch episode. And it's just like, for then Abora to essentially come to Erica's defense, as a viewer, it felt a little bit confusing because it felt like there was some critical context that was missing. Absolutely. Now, Coco won the challenge. She is congratulated. She may have started from the bottom, but she's making it to the top. Um, again, we just discussed the um, swip, the script swap and the armor missing. Um, any ideas who you think it was? Where are the receipts? I want to know who did it. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, who? I'm trying to think of who it even could have been. I mean, I would say it definitely wasn't Melissa, right? Because Melissa mm -hmm. is always there for Coco. They're always in each other's corners. I mean, I don't know. Part of me is like, if it was anyone, maybe it could have been Hoso. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I say that partially because just that from that first episode with the rogue vote, you know, going for a, a different person and that what, kind of- What act, does like, switch scripts mean? That she had a different part? Well, right. And I guess that was a good point too. You know, I was a little bit confused because they were working off of different scripts. So what right. does it mean? Yeah, like what does it really mean to switch someone's script? Like, so also in terms of calling that sabotage, that made me wonder a little bit too, because it's sort of like, was your script highlighted in a particular way? Right, I, mean, right, I right. probably had the same exact lines. So is this a little bit of also an overreaction and mm -hmm. causing something? And then in that same vein, I sort of wonder, is this something that was even worth showing then? Is that why we're not getting to see it? Because maybe it didn't really happen or it didn't really right. look like the way it did. Hey, maybe, maybe it was an accident. Yeah, or exactly. Or maybe it was something that she did herself and she just mixed up a couple of the, the different scripts that were laying around on a table together. Mm -hmm. Now, Victoria and her alien noise rejoins the group as she is relieved and confident she was coming back. She has more of a fire under her ass and tells them that they should be scared. 
So Coco was going to ask Victoria about Astrid being a problem. She says that it wasn't her impression and felt that they did work well together. Okay. Let's see if you stand by that later on. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So much shady foreshadowing this episode. <laughs> now Astrid says she walked away from this experience feeling like they killed it. And Victoria knows she forgot her lines, which Coco is like, it's interesting that the two people that pertain to have seen no problem here. Well, girl, maybe there wasn't a problem and Melissa's just being a bitch. I don't know. Could be, you know, like I was saying before, I'm always prone to, I think, defend Melissa, but also at the end of the day, I just think that Melissa is a bitch. And that's what Mm -hmm. I love about her. She is just, that's her personality and that's just who she is. And she's very unapologetic about it. So I'm also kind of here for when Melissa is just being a bitch to kind of stir up some things too. Um, In that same set of scenes though, I mean, some of the editing that they're doing this season really is so good and it just makes me laugh because I love that they felt the need to do a cutaway back to the actual acting challenge for Victoria to just go line Line. after she was like, I forgot my lines. It's like, you know, it's just it's really driving it home. Like, oh yeah, she forgot her lines. Now, when Astra tells Victoria that she felt abandoned when she started speaking up for the group, Victoria says she wasn't trying to not take her side, but Astra says it's a train of the group challenges for her. So from here on this point out, she is focusing solely on herself in the competition. And with that, the alarm sounds and it's time to hit the main stage. Now, our video message reveals that they are at Monster High as they are there for a special two-part floor show challenge. Part one finds them making a basic bitch high school prom look and model it on the main stage. They want their special effect makeup skills to put put them to the test as they try to look as beautiful and basic as possible. The more normal they look by society standards, the better. They want a full transformation. Part two, their basic bitch will be on their way to prom where the school will be invaded by a horde of hungry zombies and unfortunately your basic bitch was bitten by a zombie and transformed into a member of the walking dead they will need to show their basic bitch look again but now transformed into full-blown zombie they need to show a living dead version of their basic bitch look and slow dance their way back to the gymnasium and on to the main stage all right fun challenge i'm here for it yeah when i first heard that they were doing the split I did get a little bit disappointed in a way because I feel like both of those challenges in season one and those episodes in particular were so iconic. So Hmm. part of me couldn't help but be like, oh, I really feel as though they weren't their own unique and distinct episodes. But then when I thought about it and seeing the way that it ultimately came together at the end, I was like, okay, yeah, I I feel this, you know? And I mean, also thematically, when you think back to season one, the episodes do end up having enough crossover just Mm -hmm. because of talking about the fallout from the previous episode and some of the drama and the moments from the zombie that go into the basic bitch episode. So it also did ultimately, I think, make sense to do it that way. For this week's Fright Feet, since they have two looks, they will scare up an appetite and to make sure their little flesh eaters are properly fed, a special meal has been prepared. They will pay homage to their OG zombie challenge in season one and be presented with a plate of real pig brains. And Melissa, she knows what up. She knows. What up. <laughs> she, she was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, she was not having it. She was not happy about that. No. Now they must eat and fully consume. Everyone must participate and succeed. If they fail or refuse to participate, they will be removed from the competition. The last monster before them to be exterminated will return to take their place. Why this was said this week and not in other weeks, I don't know. But it was just a reminder. In addition, who eats the fastest pig brain will win immunity in this week's challenge. And I was like, oh, that, that's, a, that's a good prize. Mm-hmm. Why? Why not do this for everyone? 
Yeah, and I think what you were saying before is also true of that, why this episode and not others, like the consistency around saying certain phrases and giving certain heads up, it almost makes me as a viewer wonder if it is gonna ever come into play, you know, like they made this rule, are we ever gonna actually get to see it come to fruition? Is someone not gonna do it? Um, And then also the notion that immunity is suddenly on the table this week. I feel like it's something they should have just been doing every week because I feel as though some of the other advantages I mean, especially the wig one. I mean, that that didn't have really any impact. So no. I'd like to see it be a little bit more like this in terms of just making someone fully immune because that potentially leads to more drama and something stirring up and Absolutely. all Absolutely. You know? I, I am here for show-made drama, not forced drama. Yes. Um, I mean, this really, really, really is reminiscent of that all-stars one on drag race where it's like this is going to be great and then in action it's like no this was one of the worst seasons of drag race ever they'll, they'll learn they'll, they'll see what the viewers have to say though i've i have not listened to their podcast i've i've heard they are very defensive on about everything that's happening yeah just before we started recording today i was looking on twitter and i saw the boulets tweet out how proud they are of all the artistry and all the creativity you know, yeah, which is great, but I think it does uh, have that underlying element of, yes, we are very proud of this season. Yes, we're happy with how it's coming together, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which is interesting because I feel as though fan reaction is a little bit more mixed. Yeah. Now they're going to sign off with good luck, darlings, and may the best monster win. Sound familiar of a catchphrase? Um, any recollection where I may have heard something similar to that before? <laughs> Yeah, hmm, sounds eerily familiar. This season, every episode, they're just throwing in something Drag Race related. It's like a, it's like a little Easter egg to see if we pick up on it or not. It was the, <laughs> the inner saboteur last week where Eva knew what she was coming out and saying. And she's like, fuck my life, I just said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they're just trying to get it like as close here and there to see if viewers can remember what show they're actually watching. <laughs> yeah. Now, the monsters make their way to the boudoir where their feast lay waiting. Uh, the smell must have been vile. Oh, yeah. Because the way that they describe how bad some of these things are and even their reactions when they're trying to eat them, uh, the taste must be horrific, but certainly even just the smell. And when you have all of those brains on a table together in a closed space, at least the last time that they did it, they were outside. Right. (laughs) Um, If you had to do this fright feat, how would you do I think I want to be optimistic and say that I would do pretty well. I think my strategy would try to be maybe to like hold my nose because I know sometimes if you do that, it can kind of mask the taste a little bit. I think you just have to put yourself into that state of mind over matter a little bit, which I think is ultimately what I think Eva does, honestly, the best out of all of them. It's just kind of push your way through it, get it done as fast as you can. Don't even think about what you're putting in your mouth and just get it over with. Now, for those with a bad gag reflex or hate puking noises, don't watch this challenge. Now, everyone wants to win. The stakes are higher than ever in this episode. The bell tolls. It's off to consume a brain. And everyone really does have a different strategy here. Some take it slow. Some want to win. um, But no matter what, there is a lot of gagging and a lot of um, Foley work after the fact because we know that squishy sound is not what the microphones are picking up. Oh, definitely not. I did, after watching the challenge, I was wondering if they made everyone finish or once Eva won, if they just had to be like, okay. I don't think they did. Yeah. Because, because they all stopped. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think because of that too, some of the girl strategies must have been, I know Absolutely. I'm not going to be able to do this, but let me at least show that I'm making an attempt. Exactly. Um, you know, instead of really going full force into it and trying to win. Now, Melissa knows why Loris did not want to eat this on season one. Um, and Abor reveals that she has not consumed animal products in three years, but she <laughs> does not want to go home, which is such a sad confessional as a teaser for the results, eating animal for nothing. Exactly. Uh-uh, PETA is not going to be happy about that one. No, no. Um, yeah, no tap outs. Everyone will move on. Uh, Eva will get a sash that says safe. Um, and she says with a mouth like hers, she's not surprised she won. I was a little bit disappointed in the sash. I really thought that <laughs> they could have done something a little bit more. Just the fact that it was like white and just said safe. I was like, you're not going to dress it up a little bit. You're not going to make yeah. it say immune or immunity. That's going to take up more space on the sash. So the sash game was a little weak. I, I wanted something more from that. I agree. Now the tummies are full and they're going to re-enter the boudoir. Uh, Eva thinks having immunity this week will allow her to have fun and help anyone who needs it. And I was like, I can't wait to see how this turns out. Help people? What What is this? this is I thought not, that was so this strange. This is not Bob and Jim Boulay's best friend race. Yeah, that comment I thought was so weird. And I was like, wait, are they helping each other? It's not even a team challenge. Who is helping? <laughs> well, it's about to be because Coco reveals that she never went to prom and neither had Astrid nor Hoso, who doesn't have prom back home. Um, now, did you go to prom? Yes, I did. I went to both my junior and senior prom. Something that will not be surprising to you. For my senior prom, I wore a duct tape suit shocker and yeah exactly like pretend to be shocked um yeah and so I matched it to my date's dress so it was like mm -hmm. a dark blue with white accents and then I also made corsages for us that Very were duct cute. tape roses and I used zebra print duct tape for that to jazz it up a little bit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah. So, I mean, I, I did the whole prom thing, I but I did it very my way and I put my own spin on it to just of course. You know, have fun with it in my own way. I went to my junior prom. I went to my senior prom. Um, I went to other people's proms. Oh, I went to a lot okay. of proms. you were one of those serial prom people. I was the date. <laughs> and I was straight. So, well, who knew? Who knew? Yeah, exactly. Different times. Yeah, very different times. Now, Hoso is excited to live out her American teen high school fantasy with this prom experience. They're going to have the prom they never had. So whether this will be revealed to be all staged as a setup or what's to come is just truly just more mind fuckery. Astrid will ask Hoso to be her date to prom. The eye roll coming from Abora could be heard it was that big. Victoria will ask Coco to be her prom date. Eva will walk past Abora to ask Melissa to be her prom date, leaving Abora alone, who walks to the back of the room and will ask the boudoir mannequin to prom. And then we get the confessional from the boudoir mannequin, and I say crown her now. Same. I mean, what an icon, what a star. Clearly very talented. I am here for this kind of editing. This is what I like out of the shows. Like, Give Same. me the camp because at the end of the day, a lot of these shows are just men in dresses and this is campy and this would be celebrated fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I would like to see more of too. I really enjoyed a couple weeks back when they did the national anthem edit. Mm -hmm. over Astrid speaking like mm -hmm. you know those elements and exactly what you said when they did the mannequin thing it's kind of like those are so short and they're little editing things and it just adds that 
very funny element that Absolutely. has self-awareness of like, yes, this is a ridiculous competition show and let's have fun with it. Now, all this prom talk is innocent, right? Wrong. Hosa will suddenly be like, that was not fun. Abora, you have to join our thruple or table. I don't care. One of them. Pick <laughs> your choice. Abora will, is just going to walk around with boudoir mannequin to the other side of the room. And she's, she's fine with her funny bit. Astrid will try to talk to Hoso while Eva will go over to the college room with Melissa. Put a pin on that one. But Hoso <laughs> knows that Abora deflates, defeats herself with comedy and deflects when she's upset. So she knows she's upset. And despite Astrid telling Hoso that it's okay and it's not serious, she will ask her why she's out of it. And Hoso is still thinking about Abora, who is making out with the headless mannequin. Time to call campus security because we got a crazy. <laughs> Now, Hosa will go to Abora, who is clearly fine. Hosa says everyone should not be doing this. She's visibly not okay, so Abora will give her a consoling hug. Innocent? Apparently not. Abora gets why she's checking in on her, but she's fine. And Victoria tells us that Hosa running to Abora like it's a pity party is partially why Abora feels led on half the time. And I'm like, ah, boys. <laughs> what I was thinking during that whole part, especially initially with the prom thing, you know, after Hoso turns it into a whole big situation. What I was thinking too was like, if Hoso really felt that strongly about it, why didn't she just say something from the very beginning? You right. know, the, being the first one asked the prom question, like you said, it, it really made it feel as though it was a heavily produced and edited section that they were saying, you should all do this to purposely mm -hmm. leave Abora out because you know that it's just going to go wrong. You know it's right. going to turn into drama and it's going to blow way out of proportion. And, and you know, Abora clearly was just having fun with it. I mean, she was lifting Absolutely. the mannequin up and down, like twirling and just having fun. So why can't we just leave it at that? Why does everything need to come back to this love triangle? It's just, it get, it's getting so played out. It is. Now, apparently this is really going to make Coco need to go pee, but by pee, she means I'm going to go to cauldron. Now that Astrid has Victoria alone, she's going to pose the thought of them being in the finale together, and Victoria will say to her that she would like to see her there with her, but in her confessional, she'll tell us. She is most not definitely in her top three. But how do you tell someone that when they're sitting across from you? Yeah, and face. I feel like... What's interesting about that to me is that piece of that I feel as though it keeps coming up uh, that Victoria really hates drama. And so I think in that regard, it makes me think of Victoria being more of a people pleaser and saying mm -hmm. what people want to hear and trying to do whatever she can to avoid confrontation. Yeah. But as soon as they showed that little clip, you just knew you were like, all right, something is going to happen with this. Absolutely. You know, we got to stay tuned and remember this because <laughs> something's going to go sideways. <laughs> So in the cauldron, Melissa tells us that she wants to talk to Eva one-on-one -on -one because she doesn't know who else to talk about. You guessed it. Abora, Hoso, and Astrid. Once again, the three of them did not bring this up to anybody. And it's Melissa once again bringing it up and not ignoring it. This plot line, so irritating. Yeah, and I think that's what it is too. And what I find so interesting is like you were saying, people just bring it up, even when they're not in the room, when they're not even around, it still somehow becomes the center of the conversation. But then at the same time, the whole cast wants to sit there and say, it's distracting, it's annoying. Correct. 
it just, yeah, it's like, you cannot have these two things happening and they cannot both be true. Like you cannot complain about this and say it's distracting, it's this and that, while also talking about it all the time incessantly. Melissa will ask Eva how she's doing with the situation. And she says she was worn down as she was put in the middle and says, who cares as it is stuff they can talk about another time. And she says that Astrid has a type of know-it-all kind of deal. And uh, Melissa says it's a me, 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 me. Now Coco arrives and Melissa says that they are talking about Astrid's bullshit as Coco thinks she's just rubbing everyone the wrong way. Now, when Eva heard she was playing the diva on the set, she says she would have gone off on her. And then the show decides to cut to Eva's meltdown. So I guess we're supposed to say, surprise, you're on hypocrite camera. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the shady editing, shady editing. Now we bring up Coco and the missing items and Eva says she made it work. Is it possible? Like she just misplaced it. Like this just all seems so icky to me. Why do we need to talk about it again? It's weird. Or is this yeah. part of like Coco's redemption pro- plot line for the season? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it didn't seem as though it was substantial enough in the actual episode to warrant any kind of coverage or bringing up this notion of the sabotage and this and that and what was happening on the set um, in terms of other people. So yeah, I don't, I still don't really know what we're supposed to do with that in terms of the relation to Coco. And it's just, it seems very strange. And what's funny to me is that Coco says that she's not featuring Astrid's shit as she is literally the supporting player in her story right now as she is talking about her. Yeah. I mean, if you're so pressed, don't discuss. Right, exactly. And what is also so interesting to me that keeps coming up, we were talking about it before, that the cast, especially Coco, Melissa, they're so quick to call Astrid out as being a brat. She has bratty behavior, this or that. But also, has anyone talked to Astrid about saying you're doing X, Y, Z? This comes across like you're a brat. You know, like we want to talk about professionalism and we want to talk about being respectful of each other, all of that, trying to help someone maybe grow and all of those things. And yet I don't think anyone is really properly addressing the behavior. It's always attached to this love triangle instead of, you know, maybe trying to actually provide Astrid with some helpful feedback. Right. Now they're going to finish the conversation and return to the boudoir and Ashley's going to go to Hoso and Abora and ask if she can even talk to them together. And Hoso will say that's what they're trying to avoid. All this while Melissa, Eva, and Coco return, who will serve to have their own commentary about it on the side. Ashley's going to tell them that the drama that is happening affects her too and not in a good way. She's upset by the energy and not being able to talk to Hoso, who won't focus on her because she's focused on Abora's feelings. Abora is now going to stir the pot with a single comment about taking her away from Astrid. And that's the tipping point here for Astrid. How did it get spun out of control? Abora just wanted to have fun. Yeah. And I found it, I mean, funny that it kept on coming up in, I feel like Abora's confessionals and all of that. She's like, I'm just trying to have fun. I'm just trying to have fun. Um, And yet somehow it always just ends up coming back to the drama. Yep. Now, Ash is going to bitch to Eva and Victoria while Coco and Melissa are mocking the situation. Let's just send this and get to work, right? Right. Because the design time music begins to play as the monsters prepare their looks. Finally. What would you do for this challenge? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely feel that I would want to be strategic, kind of like what Melissa did, and go Mm -hmm. for a different color. Because I think you hear the basic bitch and 
granted, I think a lot of people will associate that with this right, pretty and pink type notion, especially when they say conventional beauty standards, all of that. So I feel like I would play off of a different color scheme. I might actually go for something like orange because orange is one of my favorite colors, but of course, definitely still something that's glamorous. Um, I really liked sort of, and of course we'll talk about that, but the the more campy side of things too sure, with the right. 80s looks, like that I think is something so strategic to take advantage of. So definitely something with some over the top shoulders, maybe a big bow, like a few of the girls did, like that type of thing. That's the vibe that I would go for. So Melissa's gonna be inspired by herself because it's a glamour challenge in her eyes. She went for blue because she knew that everyone would go for pink and also has a crown because she's that bitch. Mm-hmm. For the zombie portion, she will be bald-headed with strands of hair here and there, but she's got latex that will be stuck to her as it, and she adds toilet paper to create texture. She says this technique is cheap, and well, we're going to see those later. <laughs> Shady foreshadowing again. There it is. <laughs> Abora will be inspired by Dawn of the Dead and Daria, and she wants to take a note from the judges and not to overthink and just have fun. She'll be creating a cheerleader outfit, which is fun. She shares that she started with a latex bodysuit and then coated it in latex and prosade in her bathtub and tossed an acrylic paint on top. She's adding latex sheets and painting on some dermis. And I was like, okay, let's get back to the cheerleader. What? Yeah. Like what? You know, because I just, it's, it's never the challenge. It, you know, and part of me wanted to be really here for it, especially before I actually saw it. So I will also say that because this concept that Abora was working on involving Daria. I mean, so here for it. So interested. It's like, where's Daria? Literally though, that was ultimately where it went to. I was like, okay, it's giving Quinn. It's not giving Daria like, and it's not prom, but uh, yeah, another bizarre choice. Astrid is going 80s prom in a hybrid of pageant queen. She used the same dress and deconstructed it using liquid latex on dance nights. She did Added chicken cutlets to her shirt to create a full gory zombie body. Oh, and she's got zombie lips and teeth for her special place, if you know what that means. Oso has to go to a dress fitting, so the day is done. Is this a real dress fitting, or is this just a segue to get out of the day? I think just the segue, just a just a plot progression tool. There it is. All right, the queens arrive as the day of the prom, y'all. Um, who do you think is going to do it after prom? Well, I mean, the obvious choice, of course, is Astrid and Hoso. I know I keep like being told, well, you don't know the relationship. Blah, blah, blah. What is Hoso's partner thinking about watching this show back? I was thinking the exact same thing when I was watching this episode in particular. Like just the all of the hugging and the this and the that and the drama and the emotion. Because, right, I think that's part of it, too. It's that, you know, sure there's probably a physicality with other people and this and that but you know I think when you think about being a partner with someone it's about the deeper connection feelings all of that emotions that are involved Mm -hmm. but now we're getting that like this episode in particular there is so much emotion and so much I think we're making Abora feel this way oh let me go console Abora and then Abora saying let me console Hoso in this way that feels very deep and very personal so yeah I'm with you I was like is Hoso still with that partner? Because (laughs) I would be so curious what they are thinking watching all this back. (laughs) Now, maybe no one has um, tried to fix things because the atmosphere is tense and Coco is not here for it. Melissa is not here for it. 
Uh, so are they all doing okay? They say they're good. And Melissa once again doesn't want to talk about it, but ends up <laughs> being the one talking about it as she asks Astrid why she blew up. Abora will say she's unsure, and Astrid says she does not want these distractions to keep her from doing her best. She just wants to be there. Astrid is so upset as it's not her problem, yet she gets roped into it, which Victoria says that she's involved so she can't avoid it. Melissa will now say that she blames Hosa because she's leading both Astrid and Abora on. I'm like, finally said one said it, but can you say it to fucking Hoso's face? Exactly. Abora says that Hosa was checking on her when she was the last to be picked, and Coco was like, it wasn't even that deep, and they let it turn into what it turned into. It was supposed to be cute and not personal. Victoria is surprised that Hosa is not trying to intervene here since she is the one who caused it all. Eva finds it exhausting that something so simple as prom dates turned into this big thing and tapped into deeper issues. She thinks someone needs a hug. Me, I need a hug from somebody. I don't care. Someone should give me a hug. <laughs> we all need it after having to endure this again for the millionth time. Coco will say that she thinks Abora is lying that this is all that stemmed from the prom date thing, which is funny for her to accuse it since the bitch wasn't even in the room. Exactly. She was in the cauldron. So like, don't accuse her of shit if that's what she says happened. Like, you gotta believe it or you are continuing to fan the flames. Right. And then it gets back to that place of you can't have it both ways. You can't complain that it's consuming all the time and energy and still engage with it because then what? If you want, if you really didn't want to talk about it, then you wouldn't ever bring it up. Exactly. And you have these people who don't want to hear it, then bring it up, blame the other people who do don't want to talk about it. And this is like mean girls all over again. That's what I called um, the trio when Kendra was still there. They were the mean girls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree with that. And I think it, it is just their kind of thing. And I think especially Melissa, like she's just going to say whatever she's thinking and whatever mm -hmm. she feels. And I think that comes across sometimes as a mean girl. Hosa says that regardless, if Abora caused a lot of it, which is funny because she sure did not, it was all you. She says that Abora was going to be left out by the end of it. And she knows that Abora was making it a bit. So she went to check on it and then claims that Astrid and Abora thing is entirely different. Hoso can't be that naive, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking the same thing. It's like, there's no way. Coco will say that this is a titty baby, which she explains is someone who is constantly hanging off your nipple and won't grow up and will some and wants some to feed them to keep them alive. Who is she referring to? So I would also just say the titty baby was one of my favorite moments of the whole show. And I think it's like such an iconic thing that now everyone needs to start using. I was laughing so hard at that. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought it was so great. So I really appreciated it. I feel as though it had to have been in terms of Hoso because Hoso is the one that keeps on doing these different things. And I think like Melissa was mentioning in her confessional is the seemingly the, I guess you want to say instigator and to a certain extent in terms of being torn between Astrid and Abora, and then, oh, I think Astrid's upset. Let me go do all of that. Um, so yeah, so I would say it was probably about Hoso in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess we're going to need more drama because that stupid alarm is going to sound. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just want the gag of all gags is to them to actually have to walk out on stage with whatever they are wearing. Yes, this one, I feel like stood out to me in particular as just a, we all know that this is so fake. There's absolutely no way that yeah. they would be going out looking like that. It's just... It's such a, I think, played out thing. It's just, I don't even understand the point of it anymore. Like we all know 
what the truth is. They're not going out like that. But yeah, I mean, what a twist that would be if they actually did that one time. All right, it's time to go to prom at Headstone High, where they're featuring the graduating class of 1987, the year I was born. Oh my gosh, it's like they knew. It's they all knew. just for you. It is. Um, also, the looks that they are wearing. The hair is fabulous. The look is old maiden realness. Yes. I thought that it was a little bit, I mean, I know that they're not always coordinated specifically to the theme, but I did find it a little bit weird that they were more dressed for in terms of hosting and leading the challenge in more of like a Victorian era. It didn't, yeah, it didn't seem They to, said comfort. Right, exa like exactly. I was just like, you're not gonna kind of even try to do a similar thing. Like, okay, we're just not gonna do that at all. And then also only one of them had a candelabra, not both of them. I was like, you're not matching. Nope, there. So also that was happening. Joining the judges to join them on the prom episode are Soap Starlet turned horror icon Barbara Crampton and award-winning author and horror historian Tenerife Doom. Um, I still don't know who Tenerife Doom is. This is what her third appearance on the show. I couldn't. couldn't yeah, tell I was thinking the same thing. I was like, award-winning. Okay, great. Like, so good for her, and you know all of that. But nope. I mean, I'm award-nominated. The glamour awards mean jack shit. So, like, whatever. I can still say award winning. Exactly. It's all about. She might the have gotten an award from phrasing. her mom. Yeah, she could have gotten an award from her mom. My mom gives me awards. I'm sure. Yeah, that's so lovely. All right, here's how we're going to do things. We are going to discuss the before and after for each of the contestants, as they will still have the same or similar elements um, to fulfill their story. So we'll just keep it all within the same context. And in honor of the floor show, we are going to play prom queen or zombie chum. <laughs> First up is Abora. Face and chest piece by Gabe Acero. Hair by Fena Barbatel. Uh, Bodysuit by Abora. Tits from Kendra Onyx. And cheerleader outfit by Jeff Bezos. And that tells you exactly where she got the fucking cheerleader outfit. Yep. Um... So she's a cheerleader. I mean, it's not prom, but it's still high school. It's a step away from the category, but it's the same universe. So I guess like drop a point or two, fine. It's a cheerleader costume. It literally is off of Amazon. Like you cannot make this shit up. Yeah. And fucking Eva Destruction gets read for something she probably bought that wasn't from Amazon. Come on, girls. Um, the Converse Heels, drag staple. I think the first part is about glamour. It needed to be stoned to death. Yes. Um, the pigtails for hair, smart. Neon yellow, it's not basic bitch because it's unreal. Uh, the, the paint, soft for Abora, I suppose. And then she turned into like a zombie clown, which is the epitome of Abora. I think she had a, like, if she had a prom dress, it would have been a good week for her. It's just also those sagging mm -hmm. boobs. They were not camp. They were just weird. Yeah, just very strange. You know, and I will say, like, I think there are certain elements that you can try to get away with because, I mean let's not forget in the basic bitch Frankie Doom also went with yellow hair so I'm like mm -hmm. you can you can play around a little bit to a certain extent but it's also just about the presentation and right. I felt like the hairline was crazy to me like <laughs> it was a terrible wig it was terrible right and so it was just a terrible wig but even just the hairline it seemed like it was so far back on Abora's head I was like this is just it looks cheap it looks crazy I was mm -hmm. like no this is just not good 
Barbara loves performers that are risk takers and she chose to be a cheerleader. She says it didn't scare her, but she doesn't know if it was supposed to as she made a commitment and gave 100%. Tenerife says she loves the way she committed to her cheerleader as it was a unique look, but her pom-poms were flying at the end. She says she knows she was trying to put her breast foot forward, but maybe tonight wasn't the night. Swan says she is, we love it. Swan says she is brilliant, but she is her own worst enemy. She says she went rogue, but she did it with style and flair, and they were laughing through her performance. And Drax says some of the craftsmanship of the pieces could have been improved, but she is making up for it with the characterization. And I was like, are we watching the same show? Why is yeah, she getting a free pass here? Yeah, and I was just like, I feel as though when you think about, especially all the performers who are left. So many of them are really great at the physicality, the movement, the yeah. performance elements, and they give it so much. And it's like, Abora is just fa- literally falling. Like, is it really that impressive? Why is there so much praise? It's like, you don't, you don't need to be doing all that. Do you, you think know? she has blackmail on them? <laughs> it's kind of feeling like she must, like that would be what makes sense at this point, because I don't, they can just excuse so many things that Abora does. And it's like someone else has a slight misstep and they're like eliminated by, it just, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to give this look a zombie chum. For sure. Same. I mean, especially just the way that it all came together. It did, it wasn't on the theme. It didn't make sense. It looked cheap. I was not here for it. The audience, 38% prom queen, 62% zombie chum. Next up is Eva Destruction Look by Emesis. Gore and Zombie Details by Eva. Listen, that mug was exceptional. It's soft yet dragged. Love the freckles and the braces and the glasses. I see the story here. I like that the dress is very youthful and vibrant, and I can see this on a kid in the 80s, and I can see it today. It's very timeless. It's the glasses stuck in the hair, but that sold me overall. Um, she went very gory with the mug in, in the intestines falling out like a sausage link. I like that she tattered out the dress and the tights so the elements were all present, yet they feel still felt new. The face is dripping and falling apart. It's quite vile. She's certainly undead now. And the context, context I could have give or take. Um, that's gonna be a I feel like a theme for me. I, I'm just not here for the contacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, which I'm curious what you think about, uh, I really appreciated the 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 commitment to the character to developing yes. the theme all of that but i didn't feel as though it totally fit because right the concept is about societal standards of beauty mm-hmm. sure and so i was i was a little bit stuck on that i feel and so i thought that it was very campy very fun very entertaining but i didn't necessarily feel as though it totally fit the challenge the way that it should have been granted i also think that eva was just taking a moment to say i have immunity let me just try to be really different unique step outside a comfort zone maybe a little bit and push it um, in terms of performance and I did appreciate all the intestines and the way that that came uh, as part of the look. I did feel a little bit though that the face didn't 100% read zombie to me. I thought it could have skewed a little bit more towards like some kind of other accident, like a burn Mm, or something. So that was part of my criticism of it as well. I thought that it could have just read a little bit clearer zombie. Absolutely. Um, And I kind of agreed too, that it could have just been a little bit bigger in the transformation. I mean, the hair was a nice size, but I think even the hair could have maybe been a little bit bigger. There could have been some other elements to it too, that just really pushed it over the edge. Absolutely. 
Tenerife says she that says that her awkward girl reminded her of how she looked at high school prom and she can relate to her in the glasses and the hair. She says she can see her original character tapped within the zom- trapped within the zombie character and was fantastic. Barbara appreciated her commitment to her character and thought she had a really strong backstory and it was glorious to watch. Drax says to think about how to bring a little more volume to some of her looks. Going forward, it's looking down the line. There will be a parade float up there. Um, I enjoyed it. I'll still give it a prom queen. Yeah, I think that ultimately I would as well, just because I think Eva can really sell what Mm -hmm. she puts together in her package. And I think it was such a campy, fun performance and that elements ultimately overrode, I think, any reservations I had based on the fact that I didn't necessarily feel she totally hit the challenge. Audience, 80% prom queen, 20% zombie chum. Astrid Rulia, no designers listed. Uh, don't tell me she's not versatile. This basic bitch look was exceptional. Probably my favorite of the group. Love the pink dress. Very classic. The sash and the flowers veer into pageant, but it's still believable for a prom queen. But it's the beat. It's soft. It's drag. She can pull off glamour better than most glamour queens, which is saying a lot. I think she had one of the best transformations. She was almost unrecognizable had you not had the elements of the basic bitch um, as the standouts. I think the prosthetics were strong. Blood and guts and gore are really a great showing for her. Um, I was here for Astrid's look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you were saying about the transformation in terms of what uh, the the initial look was for the basic bitch, Mm -hmm. because I feel like literally when they showed Astrid on screen, I did not recognize that it was Astrid for a minute. I don't know who I thought that it was, but I was like, there's no way. Um, yeah, so because it was just because it was so dramatic, it's so different. And, uh, you know, it, the fact that it wasn't a lizard, right? <laughs> like, right. That there's all of that uh, involved. And just, it seemed like it was just totally a different take and approach to Astrid's character. And so I really appreciated getting to see that difference come to life in that way. Absolutely. Barbara says part of her act, part of acting is being able to reveal yourself and being naked and her zombie peeled the layers of her clothes away and metaphorically, she was naked. Tanarive says it's a horrific look with the teeth in her tender regions and some of it looks alien more than ghoul and that's her nitpick. Swan mm-hmm. says she was gagged at how beautiful she looked. She says as a criticism, she usually thinks outside the box, but she was inside the box as there were a lot of pink dresses and tells her to keep pushing her outside the box perspective that she is known for. Uh, Drax says they are seeing a lot of similar suits and textures and would like to see something different mm-hmm. but she did great and I was like really that's your criticism you, she's using the same elements of design okay in, sure let's go with that <laughs> um, it's a prom queen I liked it yeah, I felt a little bit more split about this one just because I I agreed with the judge's criticism that I didn't feel the transformation fully read mm-hmm. enough zombie. It did sure. feel a little bit more creature. It felt a little bit more alien. So I didn't love the, the outcome in terms of the payoff, but I do feel again as though the initial look and just how stark that contrast was from something that Astrid typically does, it warrants a prom queen. The audience. 80% prom queen, 20% zombie chum. Next up, Hosto Tarotoma. Look by Hosto and Moon the Drag Queen. Hair by Melissa B. Fears. Uh, listen, there are some extraordinary elements to this look. Do I wish she would even more believable with the eye makeup? Sure. 
but it's still a massive departure for what she does. She is giving you stunning jewelry. The dress is a marriage of East and West cultures. That soft pink is a beautiful color. I like this hyper feminine feel for her. The basic bitch, near perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, The phrases on the back of the dress was a brilliant idea. She is giving you the insides on the outsides. She knows how to serve horror and this really strong serve. How believable it was. Who cares? I don't watch zombie shit. I'm just glad we have such a new and slim silhouette from her. Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you said about the prom look. I always appreciate when we get to see a glimpse of Hoso um, doing something, again, different, doing something a little bit more that we don't always get to see. I think that the makeup was really stunning, very clean. Um, I do think that ultimately what the judges end up saying about wanting there to be maybe a little less Hoso and a little more of the challenge, I think that's totally valid and I'm on board with that. Um, I think I, with the zombie, I, you know, I'm in the same boat that I was with Astrid. I, I also agree that with the, with what the judges say, which is that it ends up falling a little bit more outside of a zombie, you know, and, and zombies can be all types of things. Again, they're, you know, I think subjective and you can bring your own spin to them. It's a creative horror thing. Um, but that was really one of my hangups about it too. It just seemed a little bit too creature alien, not necessarily zombie. That's fair. Barbara says her zombie was unique and different and can see her thinking about what she can do that's different and appreciates that as a performer. Swan says her take on the zombie was very unique and loved the cavity split open like something exploded from her. She did something special and reminded them that drag can be a way to share social messages and her performance told them about bullying and slut shaming. Tenerife says her look was gore galore, but says maybe there are some aspects in her zombie that fell alien. And Drac loves the approach on zombie as she went resident evil mutation beyond mutation. She says she is doing fantastic in the competition as far as going forward, but tells her to think about how to surprise them and make them not recognize it was her so she can show she can do other things. Maybe tell her that before she gets on the show so she can prepare that kind of thing. <laughs> right? Like maybe some things. <laughs> we're on tour with her for how long? It's a prom queen. I loved it. Yeah, same. Audience, 84% prom queen, 16% zombie chum. Coco Kane, no designers listed. And I don't want to hear people yelling at me, but I'm ready for it. I do not know what prom she came out of, but it's not a real prom. This dress is a ball gown. It is giant. I appreciate the attempt to do something different, but this would have been better suited in a princess or a Bridgerton zombie attack challenge. I love the mug. I really love her use of white highlights to give like that manga cartoon elevation. What takes me out of the world is that we know why she will have it, but her clean fan is a Dragula fan and it does not work with the story she's selling. I would have rather cut the fan in both looks than have the basic bitch have a Dragula fan. Whether this is all she had or this is what was on hand, the fan ruined any progress she had made for me. And then it's the transformation that lost me. She's got this giant ass gown that apparently shriveled up to nothing. This is the one week where I would have preferred her to do a little more slutty form-fitted look that would have allowed this current zombie look to make sense. The face prosthetics, it's not there. It's not her thing. She's not Miss Universal Studios and you can tell. I do appreciate the protruding bones. Um, And um, part two certainly dropped um, her a lot in my eyes because again, those contacts. (laughs) You are really not here for those contacts. I am not here for the contacts. (laughs) Yeah, I think I really struggled with Coco too, especially in the before because it's not prom. Like it's, it's not, not 
it, yeah, it, it was just not prom. Like just the notion of going with that type of gown for this specific challenge, it did not make sense to me. It looked a little bit princessy too, like almost Disney princess. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's definitely not what this is. That's not what this challenge is about. And like you were saying too, right? I mean, so much of what I think everyone appreciates about Coco is this concept of the overly sexual and of the sex appeal and the way that her body is incorporated into her looks and her approach to her drag character. And so it feels like a missed opportunity to then put that in something that's going to completely swallow her and is not going to show off what she's really known for. The only thing that I could come up with a little bit that I was like, okay, yeah, this maybe is a little bit 80s is the sleeves. Like the sleeves were puffy, you know, they were giving a little bit of that, but definitely also did not feel in line with the challenge. I think I appreciated or I enjoyed, I guess I would say a little bit more of her transformation than it sounds like you did. Like the bones just felt so unique in terms of just what anyone was doing. Um, And also just in terms of something that I feel like we don't really ever see from her. So I thought that in particular was just a great touch for the look. Um, You know, it's it's interesting that you talked about the fan because I didn't really think about that too much, but I completely agree. I think in terms of the notion of having this fan, at least make it something that's then going to fit with the rest of the look. If you wear pink, can you have pink fan? Yeah, it just, it's, it's weird, you know, and you don't, I mean, I, I definitely love a good prop. There's nothing wrong with that, but it has to make, try to, try to make it make sense. You know? <laughs> Barbara will say that all the characters were in pain when they became zombie and she was in pleasure. She says it was unique, new and fresh and really sexy. Swan was impressed with the horror makeup and wasn't expecting it from her. Drax says her prom look was so beautiful and says it was flawless from head to toe. Her advice is to force herself out of her comfort zone when she's performing and not to be afraid to look stupid. She says she is growing rapidly. Tenerife says she loves the big hair and asks if there was a way she could have incorporated it more into the zombie character. She says it's disheveled but could have been better incorporated. It's not a bad look. It's still a prom queen, but it's like right on the tip for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would ultimately still give it a prom queen in this case, even though it didn't fully fit the challenge. I really, really loved, and I thought it was maybe one of the best transformations. So that's specifically why I would still give it a prom queen is really just because of the the overall transformation elements, definitely not for the look itself and how it related to the challenge. The audience loves Coco Kane, 88% prom queen, 12% zombie challenge. That's very high. It is. Victoria Black, look by Collins Creative Aesthetics by Mr. Oyster and Victoria. Uh, when she paints soft and glamorous, she ages herself so much. Yes. I think it comes down to the shape she paints with. Um, the dress doesn't read prom, but more like red carpet meets Marilyn. I love the blonde updo. Perfect for the story. Mm-hmm. The bling is just right. What a girl would wear to a prom. Um, she had good momentum to start off with as the basic bitch. And if you want an experienced monster in the realm of prosthetics, Victoria is going to serve you while still maintaining her originality. She did so well as always. It's near impossible to beat her in a challenge like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Miss Universal Studios. There she is in all her glory. I definitely think this was probably my favorite out yes. of all of them. It was just, it was so good. I I really do think that you said what I've been trying to think of and just couldn't necessarily articulate, which is that it her makeup when she tries to do beauty makes her look older. You know, it's I weird. think like, yeah, it is so weird. It's just like, 
I mean, and it's, it's interesting because I feel like some of them are in a different boat, right? Like some of them can maybe paint like that a little bit better. Uh, certainly queens like Melissa, right, will have really have that strong suit. But then when they try to do the horror, the prosthetics, they struggle. But Victoria's like the inverse, you know? And yeah. so it's really interesting to see her try and do beauty makeup, obviously not something that she's very strong in, not something that she can really compete with others in or should try to. Um, but yeah, the just because of the prosthetics and the terms of the transformation, I mean, so good. Like yeah. the, the transformation specifically of the hair. I mean, I'm like, come on, like that's such artistry. That is such an amazing talent and a skill to have. And the way in which she continued the storyline of the bow and involved that in the overall look and in terms of how it translated in the transformation. Yeah, just absolutely incredible, of course. And I think goes to what Abora said at the start of the episode, right? Like, it's really hard to get Victoria to trip up. So, you know, you got to take the shots where you can because she does not miss. Hey, listen, if the, there was a different kind of um, elimination rules, maybe she would be gone by now. Exactly. She would have been Pan China Hill. <laughs> As they say. Barbara says her basic bitch and zombie looks were incredible. She says she took her hair and turned it into intestines, which has a harebrained idea and paid off. Swan says it was so elegant and she enjoyed it. She has never seen her in this light and it was unbelievable. Drax says she got into the character going from flawless pageant queen to bloodthirsty brain eating zombie instantly. She says the contrast was extreme and made her stand out. Tenerife says she was the bitch at prom that everyone loves to hate. She says during her transformation, she saw her coming undone from this perfection to this monstrosity while trapped within a bow. She says from the beginning to an end, a fantastic performance. It is a prom queen for me. Yeah, the firmest prom queen of the whole episode. Audience agrees, 100% prom queen. Yeah. Yeah, like just it flawless, like really, except for the makeup that made her look a little bit older, you know, but that aside, like the rest, so flawless, so good. And finally, Melissa B. Fierce, no designers listed. There is absolutely no denying that this face was stamped. The mug is one of the most perfect paints we have ever witnessed for a glamour challenge on Dragula. She knows how to look like a superstar. Again, the gown veers a tad into pageant realm as it is a bit too mature for a teenager, but I think she does look mm -hmm. right. Um, the face. It's horrible. I'm sorry. She is not known for good prosthetics and it shows. This was the final nail in the coffin for me that no more free passes. I do not comprehend how you go from a stunning woman to a man after being eaten by a zombie. Like that storyline did not work for me. Um, she's just not a monster like the other, sadly. Yeah, I think really the transformation was her downfall. I mean, you know, just like everyone says, right? Like Melissa is going to serve beauty. She's going to give you all of those elements and do it pretty flawlessly. You know, I when of course she came out and all of that and just throughout the episode, all I could think about was her first basic bitch where she's performing with the nail dryer and all of that, you know, and it's it's just so good and it's so correct. Um, you know, so I appreciate that so much, but right. Yeah. Right away with the transformation, it was another one that it didn't necessarily read totally zombie, like whatever was happening on her head. It kind of looked like her face was melting almost right. because of, yeah, because of the way the prosthetics were. And so that was cringy. And then pretty immediately they do the close up of her face too. And you can see it disconnecting and it's just, my heart was breaking because I'm so fond of her and I think she's uh, so amazing. I'm what so I just don't comprehend is like, I know you're going to be adding stuff to your face. 
keep the face as is and then right. add to it. She wiped that makeup off her face. That was the Melissa out of drag face. Like she didn't even have a lash on. Right. Yeah. And, and that's so true. I think that maybe hurt the look even more too, because it's like, you're really, really taking it out of, you're taking it too far away from the basic bitch. Like they're still supposed to be that level integrated. It's supposed to be the through line. Yes. You're supposed to be a zombie, but you're also still clearly supposed to be what the other piece was, you know? And so I think that she just took it too far away. I don't know if it was just because of maybe trying to get these weird prosthetics on that were not fitting, like maybe the makeup fully coming off or pretty much all coming off was a casualty to that. You know, that's something that I would think of maybe. Um, But yeah, I think it did just get too removed. And I think too, just the piece of losing all of the hair, I thought that was a strange choice too, because yes, it makes sense that maybe there would be hair that came out or it would be a little bit patchy, but- the hair wouldn't come clean off unless your head was also fully exposed and like brains were coming out. Like, like that would have been cool. Like show us brains, show us the inside. Yeah, exactly. Like show us something like that. Don't just take the hair off and then just be bald just because you're like, oh, I'm undead. So maybe I'd be bald. Like, no. And there were just also so many other examples of where the hair stayed connected, stayed as part of the look, the concept, the story of each of the characters. So it's like, Okay, you're you're the only one that really went like fully bald. I mean, you know, it's like even um, even Abora kept her hair. You know, right. like you know, it's like Abora's hair was still there. What little of it there was, it was there. Tenerife says she is disgusting in all the best possible ways and love the performance aspect. Swan says that she showed up as a queen and brought story and character and it was a joy. Barbara says the makeup for the zombie was really good, but felt the seams, the zombie makeup and her own flesh were not smooth enough. And Drax says going forward, be wary of competing with people in things that they are the best at and remember what your strengths are. Ah, zombie chum, worst of the week. I don't think that it was worst of the week. I will for sure stand by that. I think Abora did the worst. I like don't get it. Um, But yeah, I I do think that unfortunately I would have to give Melissa a zombie chum for this one because it's just the, whereas the other people, I feel like I was able to give them the benefit because their prom look was so strong or, you know, something like that. Or in the case of Coco, where I'm able to maybe look over the prom thing and the misstep there because the transformation was so good. Like, I think the issue with giving Melissa a prom queen here is that we all know and expect her to do really well in the beauty. So that should be a given, but it would have been really cool to see if she could do the zombie well and she didn't. So it's a zombie chum. Audience, 40% prom queen, 60% zombie chum. It's time to announce the winner. It's Victoria Black. Do you agree? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it was just one of those that if you it's interesting to consider because I think if you told me at the start of the season that they were going to do basic bitch and that Victoria was going to win that week, I don't think I would have believed you for all the reasons we were saying before. It's just Victoria is not a beauty girl. She's not the glamor queen. Like it's not in her wheelhouse and it's not something that she's known for really in any way. And it's something that I think she kind of struggles with, but I think the fact that they were able to pair it with something else that then she's really, really strong at the story, the cohesiveness, the transformation, it just, it was all there. I completely agreed with the outcome. I thought that it was perfect. The belays reveal that heavy is the head that wears the crown and victorious is the heaviest. So she will pick 
the bottom two who will be up for elimination. This is now the second time where they refuse to be the ones to put Abora in the direct bottom. They are forcing the monsters to do it. What do you think of this twist? I think that it would be more compelling if they made it a consistent thing. I agree. You know, I, I don't, yeah, I don't understand this approach of making it a thing the first week, but then not even having it actually attached to an elimination and then randomly bringing it back a couple of weeks later for this one specific challenge, you know, and so I'm wondering if it's something that they're going to continue to integrate into the remainder of the season in some way. I would be really here for that, but I think randomly throwing it in for a second time in the middle, it makes it feel really gimmicky and it just mm -hmm. makes it feel like it's something that they want to throw in and see like, Hey, let's see if this sticks. Let's give this another try. You know, like it's, yeah, it was a little bit weird for me. Yeah. I just want consistency. That's all I ask. Like exactly do what we did week one. And I guarantee you, you would have had drama throughout the season. Maybe not the result of who they ultimately want to win, but we would appreciate the season for them doing something bold and different. I, I, I just don't know if it's fair because we've seen some casualties out of this kind of, um, well, we don't like this rule. So Yosuke, we don't like your drag ever. So goodbye. Yeah, exactly. It just, it feels so strange that they want to throw it in one week and then not do it for weeks and then revisit it when it feels convenient for them like and it's like always been, involving abora that's yeah, the bigger problem exactly it's like so then when you take the big picture of it and you say oh okay this is really just a device that they use to avoid actually eliminating abora themselves yeah. it just undermines it even more and it makes it feel silly instead of a really meaningful or thoughtful sudden little twist that they want to put in to change things up it, it feels like it's way too uh premeditated listen if next week someone doesn't do the fright feet or something and abora comes back done gone right i'm already thinking that i'm like it could it really be possible that abora will come back again like will next week be the one that someone doesn't do the challenge and then their abora will be like is this really for real? Is Abora gone? And I mean, if that's the case, I, as a competitor who signed a contract to do a television show, I, if I were one of the ones remaining, be like, I, I, I boycott. This is not fair. Yeah, because Abora gets all these chances over and over and everyone else is a one and done. Yeah. All right. It's time to start pleading their cases as they have punch spiked with serve vodka. Have you had serve vodka yet? I have not. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, I, I, mean, I sh you know what? I should just message Manila and be like, hey, can you sponsor the podcast? I'll talk Sir Vodka all the time. I will drink Sir Vodka as I'm podcasting. I will get drunk in your honor. Can I have Sir Vodka and just some money, please? Yeah, listen, you can't make it happen if you don't ask. So you may exactly. as well, right? Hey, listen, she's I, I at DragCon LA. I bought one of her dolls. She signed it. So it's like, oh, we're buddies. I'm sure she'll do it. For oh me. my gosh. Yeah. You're like BFFs now. <laughs> there is going to be some silence as terrible music plays set up. I think so. <laughs> now, Victoria says she will play fair as she can and will follow her luck. Hosto says that she has been safe once again and high every episode with a win. And she says it does not make sense for her to go right now. Melissa will point out that Hoso put Yoska in the bottom without her being in the bottom. And let's not forget that that was a fake episode where nothing counted. So do we even count that as canon? I don't know. Coco says without track record or pleading, she thinks it's obvious 
and she wants to be there. Mic drop. Yeah, the the sip of the drink was really what put it over the edge. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing that. Okay, (laughs) we're going for the drama. Now, Victoria's thought process is how they did in the challenge and if things fell apart or skin is showing. And Melissa knows that if, if it's technicality, she will be in the bottom. Astrid says she might have been playing it safe, but says she is, has so much more to show, but gets so close every time. Melissa will do what she can to save herself. I know to Victoria that she should take into consideration the work environment as the whole relationship trio is frustrating. Oh, okay. So did she think of that before or did Melissa help make that narrative happen? Now, Victoria will say that she will take into consideration how people act professionally. And while this happens, Astrid will make a sound to which Melissa will accuse her of huffing and puffing. Okay. So these two just, they, they, they're not going to get along right now. Yeah. It's like very clearly becoming a thing. Because they both know they're in a vulnerable position. Right. Now, Astrid is annoyed that she thinks she and Melissa have a good rapport until she snaps at her out of nowhere. And Melissa will be like, isn't that why you think we were in the bottom? And Astrid's like, no, Victoria came to my defense. Cut to Victoria, who will now backtrack and agree with both Astrid and Melissa as she's been making it all about her in moments of distress. She calls her a diva and says she doesn't know how to feel about it. And I was like, Victoria, I was really rooting for you. Why did you do this? Yeah, I I think it just goes back to what we were saying a little while ago of, I, I, you know, I think Victoria becomes very uncomfortable when there's drama, when there's tension. And so her reaction is just, what can I do to just get rid of this? Or how can I dispel this as quickly and efficiently as possible? This is now going to prompt the Mean Girl Alliance to come alive again. As Coco says, Astrid and Abora should be in the bottom because Abora misunderstood the assignment and will be shocked if she ever nailed the assignment on the head. Eva is going to be like messy and says, I want to see the lovebirds in the bottom. And she thinks Hoso is heavy in competition and would like to see her sweat and wants Astrid in the bottom to see if she'll get a fire under her ass. And it's like, oh, you be messy. I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what you we were saying before. You make, you open up these rules and you make them different. It creates exactly. some interesting possibilities. Eva says that Victoria is stressed out by constant drama and wants her to look at the group going forward and who they want to deal with. Melissa wants to see the love trial broken up. Hoso says it should be Melissa and Abora, which seems to shock Abora. Astrid will agree with Hoso, to which Melissa's like, you're wearing a bodysuit latex. And Astrid's like, what's yours? I can see your whole back. <laughs> Team Astrid on this one once again. Like I just cannot believe Melissa was coming for Astrid, knowing that she's literally peeling apart. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it is for me. It's like, I'm always here for Melissa trying to stir up some drama and trying to, you know, talk her shit a little bit and all of that. But also know when you're probably reading someone that uh, for something you shouldn't be, because like, let's look in the mirror first and (laughs) see what's falling off of you literally, and then maybe come for someone or not. So... Abora will say that Melissa and Ashford should be in the bottom because she didn't get a high school story and Ash was like, I wore a prom dress. That's literally all she had to say to Abora. I was like, come on. Come on, girl. Abora doesn't think she should be picked out because she went a different way. And Victoria will say that she wouldn't go by that as she will go with technical things. Clearly. Really? Yeah, okay. like, we'll, okay. we'll see. We'll see how that really plays out. Now, let's say you were in this competition. You had this power. Uh-huh. Who would you pick? 
I feel like I would have gone the same route. I would have done Abora and uh, Astrid. All right, all right. I still clearly would have put Melissa down there because just that look alone wasn't working. Yeah, I get. I I definitely get that. Um, but I do feel like I was a little bit on the same page as Eva, which was like, let's put up two people from this love triangle to just try and make sure as long as the boulets don't pull any shenanigans again, that someone from this trio finally makes sense. And I think I would have been too much along the lines of thinking that Hoso is just too strong and clearly isn't going to go home right. probably against anyone else, um, you know, uh, out of Astrid and uh, Abora. So I think that's part of the reason I would have come to the same outcome that uh, Victoria did as well and why I wouldn't have put up Melissa because I would have just been ready for one of the love triangle people to go put mm-hmm. two of them up one of them has to leave everyone heads to the main stage to find out the decision from Victoria and who will thusly be eliminated Victoria has decided to put up Astrid and Abora for elimination now as we're standing up there everyone's looking except for Hoso she won't look Abora in the eyes does she blame herself? Is she sad? What What's going through Hosa's mind? We'll learn next week. What do you think she was thinking? I mean, what I hope that she's thinking is, thank goodness, this will finally come to an end and maybe they can show something else on this show. Right. <laughs> you know, but it, I mean, the other piece, though, that I was really living for during that whole sequence, too, was when uh, Melissa was really trying to, I think, steal the show and really just do her and have her moment where she literally falls to the ground because she's so happy and excited that it's not her that's up for elimination. It was like such, right, like the the saying goes, that's a lot of emotion for safe. Yep. <laughs> In the end, once again, Abora is dropped back to death. Did the right monster get eliminated? I think that yes, for this week, it definitely made sense. The look, especially after the transformation and the weird skin and just like the the chest flopping around, it was just so rough around the edges. And it's just getting really late in the game to be that sort of, I guess I want to say unpolished. Um, I think yeah. that they've let Abora continue to ride along and say, you're an amazing artist and you're so creative and you're so unique. We have to keep you and give you shot after shot after shot. But I really felt like Abora probably should have gone home permanently previously. So I was very here for this outcome. All right. I got some burning questions to wrap up this podcast. Are you ready? All right. I'll give it my best shot. What is Abora's legacy? I would say it's birds. Birds. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like I think back on Abora's nose on the original season that Abora was on with the chicken alien and when Abora gets exterminated and is also a bird. I'm like, it's birds for me. I think Abora, I think birds. Who will be eliminated next? Make your prediction. Next to be eliminated, I would probably say either Eva or Astrid. Interesting. I'm still going with Melissa. I I just, I need her to step it up. Yeah, I do feel like Melissa's in a really interesting position because she's getting really deep into the show, but especially on a Titan season, everyone who's left is so, so good at what they do. You know, like this isn't 
the season one vibe, you know, it's not all that. And I do feel as though I agree with what the judges have said. And I think that Melissa this time around truly is trying to compete in areas that she's not as strong with. And I think, yes, we appreciate that she's versatile and that she's trying, but like, this is a serious season with real experienced contestants. Like you got to try and just stick as true to your brand as you can. So I do, I do have that worry that Melissa's time is coming, but I'm hoping it's not just yet. <laughs> After five episodes, the winner of the season is Victoria Elizabeth Universal Studios Black. I think so. I mean, I, I feel like it's going to be very difficult to catch up to her right now. I mean, Hoso could, um, but I don't think the storyline we're being presented is a winner's storyline right now. Um, mm-hmm. Eva's getting a lot of airtime, but are they seeing what they want from her? I don't know. Um, Victoria's just doing very well. Yeah, and I think what you were just saying about what is and is not maybe a winner's edit and that piece, I do feel as though the acting challenge was that moment of Victoria's not perfect. See, Victoria can struggle at things. Like she's right. not absolutely the runaway clear piece. She almost got eliminated, like as if they would actually eliminate her. So I think that creates a moment of weakness and shows a vulnerability to her skill set. But yeah, I think it's just. She is so solid, essentially, all the time. I think it's hers to lose. I agree. All right. Where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug? Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much uh, you can find me on Instagram. My at and my handle is OG double underscore fag. So definitely keep up with me there. Uh, I'm not necessarily doing a ton of drag at the moment, but right around the corner, I'm planning to make a little bit of a return. So you can just keep up with me there, posting whatever memes I'm finding on my story and doing all that. So yeah, really just looking out for me there, seeing what's next and what's on the horizon and, you know, in the future to come. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. We'll do it again soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed this episode and it was so nice to be able to talk about it and have a little kiki about it with someone. I feel like I don't always get the opportunity to talk about the episodes in this way with someone. So being able to do it on a podcast, why not? The biggest thanks to OG Fag for coming on. Subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.